This is the Rad Mars Podcast, episode 58. I'm Andy Mindler. And I'm Brendan Trombley. I'm Trevor Williams. I'm Andrew Ford. I'm Rousey. What's up? What up? Hello. What's up? It's a great old reunion. Some some of us have come back from Hawaii. Yes. Oh, yeah. Some of us. How was that? It was a delight. The pictures you sent of, I guess, in the hotel you were staying at looked amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was real nice. It was crazy expensive, mm. uh, but after a year and a half of being locked in a house with a child and working full time, I didn't give a shit. Nice. <laughs> what island did you go to? Maui. Maui. That's right. You said Maui. Yeah. That's the only one I know because um, that's that's where the guy wants to go vacation in the rock. <laughs> oh, isn't that where it's where all the racing games have tracks do they right i don't know isn't maui like a place no it's probably not true i don't think so i used to think about racing for some oh maybe i was was it a was it a um a level in that uh jet skiing game Mario on N64? oh maybe wave racer <laughs> wave rider oh yeah yeah i associate maui with racing i think because of that game specifically yeah <laughs> is it the main island maui maui's no. not the main island well what, what do you First of all, no, either either way, but what, what do you mean by main island? I guess my first thing that comes like to the mind is the largest island. But then afterward, I think, like, is there a, there's got to be a capital of Hawaii. Like, what island yep. is the capital on? So, Big Island is not the capital, but it's the biggest. Okay. And that island's actually named Hawaii, right? So, it's that's why people just call it Big Island, because we, everyone else refers to the whole archipelago as Hawaii. But mm-hmm. that's actually the name of the biggest island. And then okay. Oahu is where Honolulu, the capital, is. And it okay. is a middling-sized island compared to the rest. Okay. It's the second or third largest. I think Maui may be the second largest, and then Oahu. I'd have to look at a map again. Mm. I don't know. Wow. Everyone I talked to was like, I would not want to live on the big island. They're like, it is like a major city, and the crime is terrible. Oh. that's Maui not, is not, just not. super chill. And so the political power is concentrated on a small island where the mm. elite live. Yeah. Like Lansing. I mean, that makes sense, but people say the crime is bad everywhere. And we grew up in Rochester, which has exceptionally bad crime as well. So Yeah. It was like <laughs> some of the worst in the country. Yeah. Big Island is enormous. I, I, I've been on it and I've explored all over the place. And I think there are bad areas, but I don't think that the whole island is bad. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, like, I've never been, so I don't know. This is what people on at Maui were telling me. Probably well. just got there maui elitism going on yep yeah, it's like how all the other boroughs of new york city talk shit about each other yeah it makes <laughs> yeah. sense yeah. that's probably almost aggressively sure but manhattan's <laughs> the best one so it's okay Boo, boo! <laughs> get the fuck out of here so yeah maui is actually one of the ones i don't know so much about though like is it i thought i had an impression that it was sort of in a weird balance but it's like like between like touristy but naturey compared to yeah, say like it, it pretty much is yeah like Oahu is like super urban and touristy 
and very settled. Yeah. Big Island is the opposite. It's not very touristy, but it's also huge and wild. Mm. Oh. Yeah, Maui's got a lot of like wild and there's a lot of like resorts and stuff. And also <laughs> there's a ton of like, not a ton, but there's a lot of like condos and things like that, like upscale ass, rich ass people, condos and stuff that I think are meant for like rich people who don't live there to have a home there. Are they tax havens like in I don't know Boston? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they're tax havens so much as I think they're like rich people want a place to live on Maui for vacation. Uh, is that where the sense. billionaires built their fortresses in Hawaii? Like Maybe. Zuckerberg <laughs> Estate, is that on Maui? It seems like kind of know. a bad place considering like rising ocean levels and everything. Yeah, but we'll all be done right now, so they don't care. I don't know. I saw I saw a fucking sea turtle. I saw a, you saw sea, a sea turtle. turtle. Great. We were uh we were snorkeling and it like went like came right up to us, like walked right past us. Did you touch it? <laughs> nearly No, I didn't touch it. Lindsay could have. It nearly hit her. Uh you should not touch it. Don't touch the wildlife. Did they like bite your hands off? No, you just don't just shouldn't touch the wildlife. You shouldn't touch the yeah, wildlife. I, yeah. Probably not a good idea. Just in general. It. Then it would have gotten some weird disease. <laughs> yeah, you get salmonella or something. Yeah. Don't touch the turtle, yo. You get turtle disease. You grow a shell. And become Change a ninja turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. It comes too familiar with humans, and then it starts raiding trash cans, and then it has to be euthanized, like a bear. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> You don't want sea turtles breaking into your cars, you know, for food. It's, exactly. it's a terrifying experience for everyone. Raccoonized <laughs> turtles. I did yeah. see a thing I read the other day about a, a seal that would like pop out of the water, look both ways, cross the street, and go to this like food stall, and they would like give it food. And it would do that <laughs> every single day. <laughs> nice. It's like, hell yeah, dog. All right. My parents came to visit for two weeks. That's how we were able to go to Hawaii so they could stay and watch Lincoln. And uh, I took my dad had never actually been in San Francisco at all, really. Uh, he's traveled through here, like, but the most he'd seen is like the airport or our house in Oakland. Like, we didn't like take him around San Francisco. So we went to um, the Embarcadero where like the ferries are. And it, when I used to travel to Sausalito for work, like 10 years ago now, uh, that place was like bustling. Like it was full of people. It had tons of like restaurants and shops and cool shit. And we walk in and the place is just like dead ass empty. Like everything's all like gated up and just nothing around. So we just walked through it and I'm like, that used to be something that used to be something. <laughs> That used to be something. And it's so like, sad cool. to hear that it's abandoned and left to the sea turtles. Yeah. <laughs> you open up one of the gates and the sea turtles are like running the shop. Yeah. We, <laughs> we don't serve humans here. Get the fuck out. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. We took them to Pier 39 where the seals are, where they're all like on top of like, like wooden floating things that like at the docks. And there's just like, over a hundred of them just like laying there barking at each other that are loud and stinky and stupid and it's like a tourist attraction and it always baffles me why people want to see these stupid fucking idiots <laughs> uh, nature is healing 
<laughs> I thought you were gonna say that there was like no seals there too. Like the seals were observing oh, yeah. social distancing. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, they were like laying on top of each other and like Bucking. not biting each other, but they were just like honking right in their each other's stupid faces. Mm. It was very strange. <laughs> so I'm getting a lot of a biased opinion about seals. Yeah, you don't like seals as, at all. As we uh, were going, taking my dad around the city. He was like taking pictures of everything. So, so I would take a picture of him taking pictures and I made a list of <laughs> Bob taking pictures of things. Nice. I didn't Excellent. tell him until like towards the end. And he was like, what the hell? <laughs> nice. It'd be a good album. Was that um, vacation the first time Link has been away from his mom and dad for a long period of time? Yep. How did that go? Uh, completely fine. Nice. Wow. He, like did not really care at all until we like facetimed with him like the first day and then he like kind of freaked out a little bit but that was it like he was totally hmm. fine other than that he's like totally cool like the first day of school like he'd been living with me known nothing else other than living with like me like taking care of him for two years and then i took him to preschool and he like the first day like i was expecting something he just runs off and is like see you bye and it was like totally fine, nothing. Good. And then like I get in the car and I'm just crying. <laughs> oh. He's totally cool. My boy. Mm. I don't need mm. you, Dad. He smokes a cigarette. Cats in the cradle in the silver spoon. <laughs> <laughs> so there were no faceless ghost babies disturbing him while the grandparents were taking care of him? No, we 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 fixed that before they He's got playing there. you like a damn fiddle. No, we we got that like fixed like four days before they arrived mm. and i was like oh thank Ooh, good old-fashioned exorcism or what we made a bottle of monster be gone spray uh-huh which was like i bought just a blue glass bottle like spray bottle and then like we put a label on it that said anti-monster and ghost spray and then we Lindsay filled it with some uh it's mostly water and then some like lavender essential oil and so we just like spray that in his room so that like it has a smell so he like thinks it's actually mm-hmm. a real thing and then we're just like okay that protects you from all ghosts and monsters and uh what was the other thing that we had to add on to it leprechauns i don't know sea turtles it, it's a pretty much just like covers it oh reindeer uh what? <laughs> he's afraid of reindeer what <laughs> so our front yard gets like a myriad of wildlife uh and uh well, reindeer are scary. While, They're big. While 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 we were gone, a, like a a full like buck went into our front yard, and uh, the ring camera caught it like on video, and like when it looked into the camera, its like eyes were glowing, and my dad mm. thought it was a good idea to show this to Lincoln. Mm. I'd be like, "Look at it, it's a cool deer," <laughs> and Lincoln's like, "Whoa, look at its crazy eyes!" And then when we were on the Facetime, he's like. The deer, like the reindeer had glowing eyes, the glowing eyes. And I was just like, oh, shit, this is going to be a problem. And it <laughs> then you bought the reindeer was. expansion pack for your spray. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. We're like anti ghost monster and reindeer <laughs> spray. And that seems to have worked. Wow. Mm. Makes sense. Congratulations. I thought you had described some situation where that wasn't working or maybe you had tried it. I don't know. You said you tried that. It wasn't working. Yeah, we tried it, but then, like, that in conjunction with, like, guiding him back to his bed and then, like, laying in bed with him and, like, staying in bed with him until, like, I don't know, he was fully asleep and then leaving and just 
continuing that for like a few nights in a row. And then finally he just kind of stopped coming <laughs> into our room. So, mm. yeah. What you got to do is you got to take a picture of him holding the bottle. And then when he's like 20 or something and he's like going to get married, fucking 30, I don't know how old you like. Look at you, you stupid dipshit. You used to believe in ghosts. We had to spray this <laughs> shit all over your room, you asshole. Yeah, except by the time he's like 30, like they're going to be like, oh, yeah, ghosts are real. Like the government <laughs> knew about it all along. <laughs> Same thing with the fucking aliens. Uh, I was thinking more along the lines of him discovering that ghost begotten spray is just water with essential oils in it is going to be his equivalent of discovering that Santa Claus isn't real. Mm. Yeah. Well, he's already afraid of reindeer. So, yeah. <laughs> Have you have you have you talked about Santa Claus or the reindeer? Is he gonna be afraid of the reindeer from Santa Claus? Get the fucking shit off my roof. Have no idea. It sounded like you were nipping it in the bud, not necessarily that he was scared of it yet. Yeah, yeah it was like he was getting freaked out because of the glowing eyes. It wasn't so much the deer; it was the glowing eyes, and mm-hmm. we were like, "It's just a video, bud. Like it's weird, like that." Mm. But we've also been using these past two weeks to potty train him, and. uh he is like completely unmotivated by like candy and food. So we're, we started off being like, Hey, every time you go in the potty, you get an M M&M. and M and he was like, I don't give a fuck. And he just pees the pants. And we're like, okay, cool. Uh, and then we're like, <laughs> how about a sticker? And he's like, I don't give a fuck. And then he pees his pants. And so finally, like we got this grand idea to buy, there's like this company called Ryan's world that makes like a big treasure chest. And it's full of like blind bags of toys and stuff. It's got like 30 of them in there, like little like bullshit plastic figurine things or whatever. So we got that and we're like, here's your potty chest. Every time you go in the potty, you get a prize from the potty chest. And he was like super motivated by it, except he started like burning through that really quick. And so I was like, shit, I guess like I need to buy some more like little bullshit toys and so like over the past like two weeks i've spent probably like over 150 dollars on bullshit little like blind bag toys to fill this chest with so now he has two chests he has the pee chest and the poop safe the poop safe has like a like a, an actual safe. like like it has a, a key that you put in the front unlock it and then you spin a dial and it releases wow yeah, you can pretty... get hooked on loot boxes. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, you should put great. you should put some ultra rare ones inside. Get him, get him hooked on that that dopamine rush real early. Oh yeah. Well, so because blind bags are like super expensive, like even in bulk, uh, what I started doing was just buying like a box of like mini bullshit toys, and I bought a like on Amazon like a bulk, ba- like b- black foil blind bags like ziploc bags so i could refill them so i just made my own blind bags and filled them in there mm-hmm. um but we ran out at one point but he he had so many that he wasn't even caring like it was more of just like he'd be like cool and then like walk away and forget about it so i was <laughs> repackaging <laughs> the old ones that he got and putting them in and so like after a while he was like looking at it and i'm like oh cool you got another one and he's like looked very skeptical <laughs> and this started happening so routinely that i had to get more um uh. but as of like i would say like two days ago 
it has started paying off like in dividends. Like he has been like actually becoming somewhat potty trained, wow. which has taken a long time and he's a little late for it. But so that's why I was pretty desperate to just fucking, mm-hmm. I was like anything, anything to get you shitting in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Makes well. sense. I learned a lot today that lying to children about ghosts and bribing them to use the toilet are the most effective ways. Yeah, I don't know. That, that is my takeaway as well. Maybe I'm a terrible parent, but I don't care as long as he gets potty trained. Hell Which yeah. actually brings me to something else that I've been thinking about. Speaking of market manipulation and uh, loot acquisition, um, I've been playing a good amount of Path of Exile recently, which I've gotten into later than most people, as I understand. Um, And one of the defining features of the game is that while you can trade in it, and there's all sorts of uh, tools, some official, some not, there's no sort of like automated auction house for, you know, sort of like listing things and automatically selling them and exchanging them. Um, So for those who haven't played the game, the tooling that exists is that you can basically set prices on your items in game. And all of those prices are exposed via an API that the game developer maintains, which also goes into a website that they have, which allows you to search through all the listings of what people have. But then the only way to actually do the transaction of exchanging, you know, whatever currency, and there's like hundred, no, there's dozens of different types of currency in the game, but there's like three primarily that are used for trading. But anyway, in order to actually execute the trade to give the currency and get your item, the website, like the way it works in the game is you click on it and it copies a text message that you then paste into the game that sends a message to the person who has the item saying, hey, I'd like fuck? to buy your blah, blah, blah for, you know, 10 chaos orbs or whatnot. At which point they can whisper back. To, well, if they want to, they can then invite you to a party and then you visit their hideout and then they open a trade window with you. It's impolite for you to open the trade window. Trade etiquette, this is something I learned. Yeah. Um, you put the items in, you click the trade button, and then you walk away, and hopefully you got the item that you were ho- you know, actually trying to trade. And this all, of course, assumes that the other person responds to the whisper, and so on and so forth. And so the system works. Um, but and- it's terrible? <laughs> yes, it is a terrible system for doing transactions. Um and the thing is, though, like, that's kind of the point and part of the design of it, um, which I found sort of fascinating. And, you know, it goes back to all sorts of other games that have auction house systems and, you know, how they work and don't work in various circumstances. So, for example, uh, World of Warcraft has an auction house and has had an auction house for, like, the entirety of the game, and that's never been considered a problem. But look at Diablo 3 instead. And, you know, it was uh, released with an even more powerful auction house system than World of Warcraft had. And then like two and a half years later, they removed it from the game entirely because they felt like it was destroying it. Um, And so like there's this huge, you know, sort of like problem that seems to be represented by sort of facilitating easy trading between players that works in some games and doesn't work in other games. And so I've done some, you know, research into the various thing, uh, you know, games and backgrounds here. You know, 
I've committed the cardinal uh, sin of Radmar's podcasting, which is I actually researched this topic a little bit beforehand. <laughs> but I was considering. What are you thinking? Uh, you're supposed yeah. to just know about it, obviously. No research. Clearly. No, 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 no. Not no, know, not but talk about it like you know. Yeah. yeah. Fuzzy recollections thinking. from five years ago. That is the sort of like golden standard. That's here. the more accurate one. So, wait, yeah. I, I have a question for you. Um, sure. You said that um, the Path of Exile version, like as janky as it is, that it it's by design. Is that yes. because the idea is to create um, a great deal of friction between like using the auction house essentially? So that like, I, I guess like what I'm thinking is in Diablo 3, one of the reasons it kind of like busted the game was that um, it kind of destroyed the loot grind, um, like fun. Like the whole point of that game is going out, killing shit, getting like a spray of loot, and then like just working your way up from that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but the auction house, what it was like, if you had the money, instead of like trying to farm or just go and find a good weapon, you just instantly go to the like auction house find the best weapon that you can afford buy it and then move on and it would completely like fuck up uh the grind which is the fun of the game so mm -hmm. i'm assuming path of exile is trying to make it so you actually don't want to use this system like it's there for you uh and it's for people that like need or won't want to use it but it's not like so easy that it completely breaks the game yeah and that's that's like basically the heart of it right because i well so it's not just the auction house that totally annihilated diablo 3's original release um the problem also is that the game was balanced around having that auction house so yeah the types of items that you would get had even less restrictions on the randomizing process so the items you're getting were just mountains upon mountains of garbage assuming that you could get something better on the auction house. So even the good, good items and air quotes that you're getting, you're like incentivized to trade them to other players for money that you would then use to buy upgrades for yourself. So like the whole game loop <laughs> That's terrible. was like feeding into this where like, you're not even going to see a good item. Like you'll find a legendary and it'll be worse than a regular yellow item because of the way they had set up their legendary loot uh, tiers were like, the, the way they designed legendaries were that they could be better than a yellow, but they probably weren't. But they're also like one out of every 10,000 items or something. Um, like from a personal anecdote state, I think I found three uh, total legendary items during my time with the original Diablo 3 mm -hmm. or something like that. It was like abysmally low. Um, and the whole game yeah. was just basically stuck in this stupid loop of like grinding out for money. Um, well, one extremely one extremely uh re relevant detail there is the original release of diablo wanted and what well the, the the auction house was designed to allow you to pay real life money and trade real life money for the items and it was this whole supposed to be like revolutionary thing and it was taking a cue from the sort of black market trade of items that happened like on ebay with diablo 2 and they're like well let's just build that into our game and, and then also like build our business model around it and then apparently yeah. also design our game around it so that it incentivizes people to use the auction house. It's just a really solid, just bad decision-making. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll loop back to a bunch of this because there's actually a great post um, on the, um, I think it's 
like Path of Exile sort of like blog or something describing their philosophy towards um, the in-game trading and sort of like how it affects things. And you've hit a lot of the points spot on, like specifically that the game design in terms of like rate at which that gives you loot has to take into account how easy it is to conduct trading. And if trading is very easy, um, then your primary way of getting loot is going to be through trading and drops have to be balanced around that, like you're saying Diablo 3 was. And as a result, like the amount of loot you can get that's actually relevant to you personally is going to diminish drastically. And on top of that, like, great, now you need to know what is valuable itemization, not just for your class, but for all the other classes on top of it. And one of the challenges that, you know, that by design um, in Path of Exile, Diablo 3, Diablo 2, none of the items that you equip ever bind. Like there's this concept in World of Warcraft of bind on equip or bind on pickup items where like an item can only ever be used by a single person. And then as soon as it's been used, it's expended. You know, like that person can use it as long as they want, but they can only send it, sell it to a vendor at that point. But in Diablo and Path of Exile, items after you're done with them, you can just sort of, you know, give them to someone else or sell them on the auction house if that's a thing. And like in these games, Anytime you're in the game out there killing monsters, getting loot, you're adding items to the economy, and these items are never removed from the economy unless, you know, like they're garbage and you're just selling them to a vendor in the first place. Yeah. And so, like, there's this mountain of good items, and then as people level up and sell their gear, that sort of, like, trickles down until, like, we are getting into the game, and, like, you can buy equipment that's far better than anything you could ever, you know, possibly imagine, because it's, like, 20th iteration hand-me-downs from you know really hardcore players is that, that that's path of exile that you're talking about right there so uh, <laughs> it doesn't happen in path of exile be so much because of all the friction that they add to the uh auction house trading oh but I, what game were you referring to i was referring to the diablo 3 uh, uh system where oh, like okay. that was my experience when i like i played through the game single player got to like max level and was trying to sort of gear myself out a little bit and then I went to the auction house and I was like, oh, I can spend like a tiny amount of gold and get gear, which is way the fuck better than anything I've seen ever. And like, you know, it was just it, it was ridiculous how much better the gear I could get from the auction house was compared to what I could get by killing monsters. Yeah, gotcha. And like Path of Exile, I mean, definitely does have that, too, in what's called a standard league. So like the two main leagues, standard and hardcore, eventually all trickle down into these two basic leagues called standard and hardcore. And the um, way, way, way back when it, Path of Exile first started out, they started doing seasons way before everybody else was doing anything like that. And they would just like offer up a full reset of everything. You'd, ha you'd make a new guy in a new league with new everything, completely cut off from the old world. And at the end of a set period of time, that would all just be pushed back into the basic leagues. Um, and that's where the kind of explosion in the all across gaming where um, these seasons started popping up everywhere. I don't know if they were actually the first ones to do it, but they were definitely among the first. Um, so that, that is another like a hard reset button on this kind of like stagnant economy of like um, path of exile also has an interesting problem where like the value of currency isn't exactly set because there's no gold. It's all items that you use. So thankfully like, Money is money is coming out of the economy because people are using it for things, unlike gold, which just kind of like keeps piling up. 
Um, they also have some interesting systems uh, called corruption, which ruins items, but possibly makes them better, which I found a particularly clever uh, system for taking items out of the economy. Yeah, especially because people use it on the best items. You decide <laughs> to corrupt it and experiment with it, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yep. There's a There's... bunch of different ways to do it, but the primary way is you just have a little red orb and you stick it on the thing and it has a chance to like do random things. It could destroy it, could do something cool, could make it better, could add some cool feature to it could replace a mod with some other kind of mod. Um, there's rules to it. You can look it up how it actually works. But in general, the best items of the games are you take the coolest thing you could possibly get, and then you slam it with a, with a vol orb to make it potentially way better. Usually it ruins the item, but sometimes it makes it way better. Yeah. And that's like the system working as intended because it takes lots of good items out of the economy and spits out a couple of excellent ones. Yeah. Yep, you need you need systems huh. for re removing value. Yeah, there's a, there's a really stupid like chain of mechanics. This is just a small side story, but like there's this one quiver that has like a socket on it, and it's a unique item. So like it's like really really special and super rare, and unbelievably expensive on its own. But one of the things that can happen when you corrupt an item is it turns it into like a regular yellow item with random affixes, but it's still the same base type of item. So there's no way to get that quiver with a socket on it normally. But what you could do is you can brick you can like get a whole bunch of these super expensive ultra mega rare items corrupt them hoping that they'll fail and then there's a a trade in the game built in where if you sell five yellow items to a vendor it'll give you a rerolled version of that item so like the most ultimate super like bourgeoisie thing to do in that game is to get five of them that are broken in a very specific way sell them all to a vendor so you can get one that you can actually use that's like a, a reset version of it. And that's totally valid within the game. It's, I don't know, it's very funny. <laughs> that, is, that is a wacky thing. <laughs> yeah. The game is full of nonsense like that. Suffice it to say, there's a lot of systems in the game which actually like destroy items, um, but in a way that's productive for the player. So it's like you choose to sacrifice these items to potentially prog you know, make another item or something like that, which I found a sort of like interesting way of counterbalancing that sort of loot explosion problem. Yeah. Ford, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't want to get too deep into the specific mechanics of Path of Exile. I also haven't played it in years, but I find it really interesting um, how we didn't really mention this before. There's no gold uh, in Path of Exile. There's just orbs. <laughs> These orbs are like the currency. There's so many different kinds of orbs. They have a practical use in that, like uh, Rashi mentioned the Vol orb, which is, uh, I guess, like corrupts the item, but like there's just these different orbs that let you do different kinds of item crafting, and that that is the only currency. And uh, as Trevor mentioned, uh, usually pay th for things in chaos orbs. For some reason, the economy has settled on like chaos as like the standard like currency for buying stuff. I think for the most part, at least last I checked. Yeah, it is. Um, There's no mandate on it. It's just that that's what we decided. Whatever. It's rare enough to be whatever, but you know. I was gonna say, are they particularly rare or common? Chaos orbs are fairly common. Um, they're sort of like pennies, basically. But there's also some mechanics in the game where it's like, you know, spend three chaos orbs and get a modifier to this level that you're about to play on. Um, but there's basically three tiers of currency. There's uh, chaos orbs, then there's um, exalted orbs, and then there's mirrors of Kala something, Vladikovurger, Burger. Kalandra, <laughs> yeah. I, I will never see any of those. Um, so, yeah. I mean, like, the, the joke is so that Harry you, get, you Potter find two bullshit before 90. Yeah, but like in general, it's like an XL is a hundred dollar bill, a chaos is a one dollar bill, and a mirror is like I don't know a million dollars or something. Like I've never seen a mirror 
I've had enough money to buy one at some point, but like they're ultra mega, ultra crazy, super duper, stupid rare. Um, What's their purpose? A chaos orb you can use on a rare item to completely reroll it. Like it just, you know, you'll get random modifiers on it. A exalted orb adds an additional modifier to an existing rare item, and rare items can have up to six. A mirror of Kalindra, mm-hmm. is that correct? Kalindra, right. Kalindra, I don't know how they actually pronounce it. The New Zealanders, man. Okay, that's fair, those Kiwis. Um, so you can use a mirror on an item to duplicate an item. Ooh, okay, Ooh. that makes sense. Yeah. Where do, you, where do you get the orbs? They just drop from anything, anything and everything. You kill a monster, it has a oh. chance to drop money. Um, money. Gotcha. Putting money in air quotes. Um, yeah. A mirror can technically drop from anything in the game. A barrel. You can kick open a barrel and a mirror can fall out of it. In my, oh. like, probably 10,000 hours of playing Path of Exile, I've never seen one. <laughs> but they do <laughs> exist. Uh, and people get them. And they're worth a lot. Yep. That would be crazy to kick a fucking barrel, like, early on and just get one. And you're like, well, I'm set. Yeah, that's You'd it. probably, like, just be like, oh, <laughs> use just... it because you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's yeah. this? I'll use it. You use it as a sub-dom right. level one sword. You're like, yeah! <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, Although, yeah even I if, duplicated that. If, if you knew what you were doing, though, then you'd have to engage in the trade system in order to be like, okay, now I've got a mirror. I can't actually, you know, just trade this mirror directly. I need to trade it for less valuable currencies. So you'd have to trade it for like a bunch of exalted orbs. And then you have to cash out some of those exalted orbs into chaos orbs. And then you'd have to trade some of those chaos orbs for gear and whatnot. So like it would be this long, complicated process just to take what is this ultra valuable item and turn it into something that is fungible. And there's there's tons of like haggling too, because it's not exactly set. Like, usually, Chaos Orbs will settle, like, 100 to 1 Exalt, so an Exalt will be about 100 um, Chaos Orbs. But, like, people will be like, I don't think so. I think it's worth 110 or 90 or whatever, you know? Like, And it also yeah. goes up as time goes on. So, like, you know, on day one of a league, a, an, an Exalt will be, like, 30 Chaos, because there's not that many Chaos in the world. But, like, you know, I don't know. It's crazy. There's probably some nerd economic person making papers yeah. about it. Um, but, you know... I kind of love that, like that system, like how just non, like undefined it is, mm. I guess. I, I, I really like that. It's uh, really neat. Whereas mm-hmm. like Diablo is gold. Yeah. You just, yeah. gold, you is gold. gold is gold is well, gold. They're like for better and for worse, completely hands off. Like they don't, they don't moderate trading at all. Like even if you get fucked by somebody, mm-hmm. they're like, sorry. <laughs> yeah which like i totally understand it from a developer standpoint like as soon as you step in then you really got to step in you know like yeah there's a lot of work and they do have systems in place to allow you to you know theoretically uh trade safely like you know you've got a trade window and they actually require you to hover over all of the items before you actually click the trade button yeah so like in theory unless you're sort of like just doing things blindly you should know what you're in for um so, there's all know. sorts of tricks i've <laughs> tell me tell me the tricks do they have the um the safe item swap like they do in front of a police station right under the street light in path of exile there it's a bad joke safe done it. it's done <laughs> that's right i'm just like trying to figure out what the hell you're talking about i've never seen that but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a real thing it's like, a real thing i don't know the life. trade window uh, pops up and you both you both have to agree you see what's on the left you see what's on the right you personally have to bounce mm-hmm. over it but like people do all sorts of stupid shit where they're like You'll like put up the item. They'll put up the money. You look at the money. It's all right. They cancel the trade window. And they're like, oh, sorry, I forgot a thing. They like retrade you. And then they put like the right amount of items that 
like that they put up. Like if it's like you know, oh, the chaos orbs are a stack of ten, but they'll put up like a stack of ten and like one stack of one and like somewhere in the middle. So if you're not paying attention, they'll get you. Um, they'll lose all, all sorts of stupid shit like that. Or if you're buying like a really rare item, which is like a six link thing where you have a whole bunch of sockets like to link together, mm-hmm. like they'll they'll put up the six link and then cancel the trade or like. They'll put up one that looks like it's six link because the item, like the item art, has like a gold line somewhere where the link should be. That's what I, I personally got got on one of those, where I was buying oh. a super expensive item, and I was like, "Ooh, a six link! All right, cool, I got it. It's a little bit cheaper yeah. than usual." I sniped it. it turns <laughs> nice. out I got got, and I gave that guy a whole bunch of money for something that was worthless. Um, but you know, and, and, oof. Oof, oof. And, and to be clear, this is the reason why, like, the auction house in Diablo 3 wasn't necessarily like a bad thing originally from a game design perspective because they couldn't have known what the ultimate consequences were going to be early on. I like, mean, their hearts were in the right place, I think, right? No, but no, I mean, like, it was coming in out some, the, in some way. I don't know. I think the real money transaction uh, showed that they weren't <laughs> like, okay, they okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There, the real, the real money transaction was no good, yeah. So just for some additional context of where they're coming from, like Diablo 2 had its own sort of like similar trading economy to Path of Exile. It was all sort of like forum posts and things like that. And, you know, people would sort of like talk on them, ex- you know, arrange exchanging items for items. And it had a trade window as well. But there were all sorts of shenanigans like what Roushi was talking about. My favorite of which that I heard about was, oh, my trade window is broken. Um, so I can't actually, you know, like use that. But hey, here's a way that we can do it safely. We stand at opposite sides of the sort of screen. We drop our items at the same time. We walk over to each other's item and pick it up. Boom, safe trade, right? Great. Except there's this little known sorceress uh, power called, I think, uh, telekinesis, which allows you to pick up items from a distance. So like they both drop their items and the sorceress picks up your item from a distance, picks up their item, boom, gone. You got got disconnected so <gasps> it's a right. fake guy you know like right and so like the real money like auction house that's something that i think is an additional separate topic which i think was also a problem and perhaps you know but i mean even without the real money auction house using like the you know in-game currency auction house that itself was a problem as well but it was there to sort of like uh ideally sort of like avoid some of these problems in terms of trade scams and also the fact that in all of these games, there's always going to be this sort of like, you know, gray market of, you know, like third party vendors selling currency and items. And those are always going to try to source their things by compromising accounts and things like that. And so it's a reasonable approach for the um, for the uh, developer to say, hey, I want to control this market and I can undercut it by making it sort of like built into the system. And hey, while I'm there, maybe I can take a little cut on that action and monetize it. And that's where the sort of, you know, more skeevy part of the Diablo 3 auction house got into it. Yeah. And then you have bullshit like uh, other modern games are doing, like like Counter-Strike or a lot of those other Steam things where they have like a marketplace to trade items you get out of loot boxes with real money. And then Steam just takes a cut out of all of that, which is mm-hmm. totally oh. insane. <laughs> it's like, here's your loot yeah. box. It takes $2 to open a loot box. And then you get a cool skin for your AK-47 or whatever. And then you sell that for $50 on the market board. Real money. <laughs> and then someone mm-hmm. buys that. And then Steve just like, ah, I'll just take that money. Um, but also, I'm a scumbag because I've, I've made money off of that, too. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, it's interesting. There's that, but there's not been any sort of backlash against, like, you know, the Counter-Strike design. In fact, my understanding is 
the like new Counter Strike uh, that was built on the like Source engine, like up until they introduced weapon skins, it was being outcompeted by like classic Counter Strike on the original Half Life engine. It had a way larger player base. But as soon as they introduced skins for weapons and this sort of you know facilitated gambling and real money exchanges, boom, it took over. It's, I'd like to see the data on that, but yeah. I don't think that the necessary like the real money trading is necessarily the 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 bad part. It's it's that they also designed the game around mm-hmm. it. They 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 kind of like hit it too hard. I don't know. Right. People people traded real life money, you know, in Diablo two or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to a part of a, a GDC game developer conference talk on the topic of cursed uh, problems in game design. And one of the examples he brought up was the Diablo 3 um, auction house. And specifically, the definition he gave for a cursed problem is, and I quote, and this is uh, Alex Jaffa, I'm probably butchering his name, um, an unsolvable design problem rooted in a conflict between core player promises. And the core player promise in Diablo 3 is that it's this game about going out there and murdering lots of monsters and getting these loot explosions and going through that and being like, wow, look at this awesome loot and I'm going to upgrade it and so on and so forth. But there was also this additional promise that, hey, you can take all this loot and then you can go and easily exchange it with other people and sort of like, you know, sort of like have this, you know, in-game market as well. But the thing is, when you have like very limited friction for item exchange and whatnot, it turns out that the balance between those two parts gets extremely lopsided. And uh, there's a great Reddit comment I uh, read where someone described Diablo 3 as, oh, let me make sure I get this right, an auction house simulator with an ARPG side game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah. Like The early days of Diablo 3 were rough as fuck. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, like you could make a lot more pro- like the way that you progress your character in Diablo 3 was by upgrading your equipment. That's the nature of an action RPG. And at the end of the day, it was for a lot of people easier to progress your character by arbitraging things that you yeah. found in the auction house rather than going yep. out there murdering monsters and trying to find something worthwhile. That's what I did. And it became really unfun. By the end of the game, I was like, well, I think I'm done with this. Like, that's not cool. Once they, what was the expansion? Reaper of Souls? Reaper of Souls. That, yes. uh, they completely, they just stripped out all the auction houses and redid the loot. And loot 2.0. It, yeah, it's so much better. So it's really yes. interesting. There's another GDC talk about that exact thing about the the guy that actually designed the loot 2.0 for Diablo 3. Um uh-huh. he actually was working on the WoW loot team for a real long time. So he had a whole bunch of experience uh, and he talks about this quite a bit in the talk. I'll maybe I'll, I'll like find it and link it in the doobly doo, but like cool. Um he basically talks about all of the challenges and pitfalls with like creating good rewards for the players and like how fucked up it became in WoW and how they tried to fix it and how sometimes when they tried to fix it, they would make it way worse. Um, <laughs> it's it's mm. really, really cool. But like the, the majority of the thing is that like when they wanted to like take all these lessons learned and put them into Diablo 3, um, and it eventually landed in a good spot, but I think they went too far um, in, in the current era of Diablo 3, but whatever. What are you going to do? Um, the, the key points that they were bringing up are like, you know, you need to reward the player. You need to make sure that the player is getting stuff for the time that they're putting in. They need to make sure that it's not like 
a fucking job where you're just grinding out currency to go buy things on the store. Mm-hmm. So they like completely yep. deleted the auction house, reworked the way all of the loot works in the game and basically just cranked up the numbers to a thousand. But they also like made like item drops a lot smarter. They put a lot more rules in place where like originally in Diablo yeah. three, you could have a bow that could drop with intelligence that would be completely worthless for anybody because a wizard can't even use a bow. But like, why would that even be in the rules? It shouldn't be in the rules, you know, like there's, yeah. there's no reason for that other than I feel like to pollute the market. I feel with, like the um, person who designed that could really have been using a bow that increased his intelligence and he was designing that loot rule. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there was a, a lot of items <laughs> that you would get that were for classes, not your own, yeah. which was infuriating because you're like, I have gotten five items for a barbarian class and I'm a goddamn wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. It, it's just like. It's kind of silly the way that worked. It's mm-hmm. interesting because like with a few tweaks, you can have something like Path of Exile where you're excited about it because you're like, oh, mm-hmm. here's a cool axe. Now I want to make a guy for this axe. Even though I'm playing a wizard, I'll put that in my hideout. And then later on, I'll make a new guy and give him the axe. And then he can do something cool with that axe. And that, that's something that I'll, I'll think about for later. Um, but also, like it just happened to be that their item design was really lame. Like pre-Reaper of Souls, a legendary item would just like it could just have more affixes and like, it was not interesting in any way at all. It just like could be yeah. numerically better. Like there was no real reason why you pick one sort over the other, but they also completely shifted their itemization design where like, okay, we're going to put like weird shit in there, right? Like here's a thing where, uh, when you hit a guy, gold falls out of it and the gold lights people on fire or something like, and they're like, okay, we're going to add like a hundred items that are just like that, where they're like these weird nonsense shit that doesn't make any sense. Like, we're going to make a necklace that, like, when you have your zombie dogs out, they all combine into one big zombie dog, and that big zombie dog does something cool. And you're like, okay, this is the kind of itemization that you want, because when you find that item, it's exciting and interesting, as opposed to just, like, a fucking spreadsheet. This is, like, numerically yeah. better than the other one. Yeah, it makes it so, like, you build a character around that item yes. then. Like, you... One of the things with Diablo 3 also that was new to the Diablo series was, like, the fungibility of your um skills in that you could swap out your skills at any time for any other one you didn't you weren't locked into any skill like you could test out anything so when you got an item that messed with a particular skill maybe one that you weren't really using you know like meteor or something you were like that isn't in my roster that i'm using for of attacks when you got an item that was like uh you know when you use Meteor, it also like shoots like three uh, lightning bolts or whatever. You're like, okay, I'm going to change up how my character build is currently set up. I'm going to now swap out my main attack to be Meteor and then, uh, you know, readjust all my other things. And so it really fundamentally alters how you were actually playing the game, which is a much much more interesting like combination of those two systems than what Mm -hmm. the original items were accomplishing. And um, the, the one thing I I thought was interesting is in the current state of Diablo three with the way the loot works, um, like money is almost totally pointless. You get a ton of gold, um, it's it's er, used early in the game, especially in seasons, to like upgrade your like blacksmith and like your uh, gem dealer and stuff like that, um, and maybe increase your stash. But you never like buy things really with gold. It's 
there are no vendors. Like there's mm-hmm. no vendor that is usable. You use them when you're like level one through 10 and then you never talk to a vendor again. You don't like really sell to them because you you instead break them down for like parts. And it's it's a weird thing because it's like money has become very pointless. It, it it's it's weird. Like it took a real strange turn. Yeah. But they also added a whole bunch of weird currencies too. Like you have these different like crafting materials that you can get and you have this other like like shards that you get that you can trade into this one woman to get like random items. So if you're like fishing uh, for a specific kind of thing. So like they they kind of like added a bunch of different currencies that are like interesting. Um one one that was specifically the blood shards is what what uh, on a key point that the guy was talking about in his GDC talk where he's like one of the things we learned from a WoW is like if you have a token system where you want to like trade in for like cool gear that you can get, having completely deterministic values for that like winds up being really shitty like suppose like the player obviously might feel a little bit better about that initially but it winds up just being like horrible for your game in general um making that completely like deterministic because then people will go back to gold where like they're just farming for the currency to get the thing instead of doing the content that you Mm -hmm. want them to do which is playing the damn game so like their solution which i thought was pretty clever is to like you like do a whole bunch of different things and by like Killing certain types of things, I forget how you get them. You can get these blood shards. You get them from rifts. Okay, greater rifts or whatever. But you, you yeah. get these blood shards, right? And then you can trade them into this like weird shadow vendor, and you can target a specific type of item, and you uh, pay her X amount of blood shards for a one-handed weapon, and however many times you click that, she'll just give you a random one-handed weapon, and eventually you can get some really cool stuff out of that. And you're kind of like weirdly target farming the thing that you want. So if you know that there's a cool sword that you want to make your build work, you can kind of like, while you're you're also looking for things, you can, you know, keep talking to her and be like, give me one handed sword, give me one handed sword. And eventually you'll have a decent chance of getting the thing that you want if you don't find it already when you're grinding, Uh, which I thought was a cool compromise. I was going to say there's a bunch of systems like that in Path of Exile, which shouldn't be too surprising because like I don't know if they've ever eliminated a single mechanic that they introduced in like the 7 years that the game's been around <laughs> and very few every of them season get eliminated. they have a new mechanic. Almost all of them get put in. Yeah, but one of them is divination cards where it's like, "Oh yeah, I want to farm for a particular item." Well, a divination card drops in this particular region that if I trade in 10 of them, I can, you know, get that specific item. But even the divination card drops are random. So it's like, yeah, you can sort of specifically target that one item and spend a lot of time there and, you know, do it. Um, Which I think is also sort of like a neat solution that still includes a bunch of chance. Although on the other hand, it is sort of like grinding currency, but it's currency that you acquire at a sort of unpredictable rate because the cards themselves are pretty rare. Yeah, that that um, that sounds terrible to me. (laughs) It is terrible, but like the divination card stuff is kind of a it's a consolation for a, a subsection of the community that, is, that has been growing and growing that completely disregards all trading so much so that they actually mm. made a separate thing that you can put your character in called solo cell phone where you cannot trade with anybody at all you can't even join a party with somebody you're on your own and it has its own separate ladder and leaderboards and ladder and all these other things and like um a lot of people really like that because uh big streamers in in specifically mostly do that because um a lot of streamers do or get accused of it of like having their followers just like trade them and they get all sorts of stuff or they do RMT stuff where they like suddenly have a million dollars. 
Real money and tree. And they're like, oh, why you, your character just died in hardcore. Why do you have all this stuff all of a sudden? You know, like, but um, in Solo Cell Found, there's a guaranteed stamp. You cannot trade with anybody. You cannot do anything other than find it yourself. And they they also like help out a lot by having these kind of deterministic ways to get stuff that you might want for your build specifically. So like a lot of low tier uniques, they will make pretty easy to farm up the divination cards mm. for that. So like if there is some fire sword that you really want, you can go to the docks and go kill a thing over and over again and get enough divination cards to get your sword. Oh, um, okay. So like in general, it's like kind of not a really good way to get the thing that you want because the trading is cumbersome, but you can get the thing that you want pretty dang easy. Um, yeah. But I mean, and there is an in-game way to do that and it is valid and there's a reason for it. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't realize it was there for the SSF uh, thing uh, community specifically. Well, largely, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I've, as we've been talking about this, I've been sort of thinking about my experience in Path of Exile because like, we were talking about this cursed problem of, you know, having on the one hand, a game where you like kill monsters and get loot and then use that loot to upgrade your character versus a, you know, market system where you trade with other players and whatnot. And the way that Path of Exile is sort of trying to work around it is by adding a lot of friction to the trading uh, to the point where like it only seems like it's worth your time to trade items that are actually pretty valuable. Like, I'd actually been playing the game for many weeks before I started buying items. And when I did, I had a huge increase in my character's power immediately. And then I sort of ran out of money. And then all of a sudden, okay, my power isn't going up for a while. And then I started selling the items I had. And boom, all of a sudden, I'm a wash in currency. But it took me a while to figure out how to actually sell those items and whatnot. And then, okay, boom, another sort of like wave of upgrading and then doing more content and getting things and whatnot. But when I look at the character, character that I'm playing right now, I don't think a single item that I have equipped, I actually got myself. I think all of them I purchased from like these trades. And I still feel all right with it. And I'm still sort of like kind of excited to look through loot, but I'm doing it with the eye of an appraiser, not someone who's like saying, oh, I can't wait for an upgrade to drop for me because I don't expect any upgrades to, you know, drop. You know, it's similar to how we were talking about Diablo 3 originally being in this problematic state where you could never get upgrades. I feel like I'm in that state with Path of Exile, but I don't seem to mind it as much as I did with Diablo 3, um, which I find interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> it is interesting in that, like, it feels a lot... I'm very biased because I'm a huge uh, Path of Exile fanboy. But I feel like mm -hmm. they have a lot more, a lot better designed um, loot reward system than Diablo 3 did. It's, uh, definitely initially, um, probably even now. But like the items that you're getting um, in general, there's a lot of them. And loot filters mm -hmm. are like kind of a mandatory thing that you have to get to like weed out a whole bunch of the garbage. Oh, yes. And to be clear, because I think this is something that's definitely worth exploring for people who are not familiar with Path of Exile. Loot filters are kind of literally what they do. Like, it is it is what they sound like. Like, it filters what items you actually see inside the game. Because, like, it's like Diablo in that you kill a monster and it's like a loot pinata that explodes. And the further you go into the game, the larger these explosions become until, like, you're <laughs> detonating, like, tactical loot, loot nukes, basically, that sort of cover the entire screen. And so, like, I have a very strict filter setup, which only shows a very limited set of items. 
And then like after killing a couple monsters, like from some particular event, out of curiosity, you can press a hotkey in order to show up all the loot. And my screen was just covered with all sorts of gray crap of all these various items that I normally don't see. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I'm surprised this isn't actually a performance problem for it. That That's like kind of wild too. But also like, I think their filter system does a pretty good job of that too, because sometimes when the loot explosions are too big, if you hold out, it'll actually crash the game because there is too much loot, <laughs> which has been a problem in very many leagues. Um, there, there's a, a really hilarious tower defense league where like all of the loot that you would get from this whole big long event would show up in the center of the map, and you could make it such that like so much shit would show up that your computer would just die. It would just absolutely annihilate the game, like immediately close, completely crash. If uh, you like held alt and saw everything, like, the shocking reality yeah. of how much garbage is on the ground. Um, why Why do they have it spill out so much useless shit that no one is using? Why not just have it stop delivering garbage at a certain point? I have no idea. I'm sure there's a lot of complicated mathematics behind that. Right. Uh, well, I don't think it's even a mathematics. I think it's a sort of like game design problem, and it's something I'm actually not sure of. I'm having a random recollection to something I think that was happening during the Diablo 3 beta test where basically people were saying, oh yeah, it's profitable to pick up the gray items and sell them to vendors. And the response from like, you know, Blizzard at the time was, okay, well, we need to adjust the value of the gray items so that it's not worth your time to pick them up. Um, so like literally part of the game design is for items to drop that are not even worth your time to pick up. And so I, I don't know, maybe the idea is to force you to have some sort of like you know pattern recognition or sort of like analysis of like the loot that dropped like what is worth clicking and what isn't forcing you to make a decision at the time as opposed to basically just blindly clicking on everything that falls down hmm. i don't know well i mean this is where path of exile gets wildly complicated because there is a reason for a lot of this stuff oh, oh. god without wasting a whole bunch of your time <laughs> like even a garbage white item that has absolutely nothing on it could potentially be valuable there's a lot of reasons why it could work um yeah. The main thing is for crafting bases because there's a lot of like determinate, no, some semi deterministic crafting that you can do in the game. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for like very good specific items of like a specific item level, because the item level determines what kinds of things can roll on it, I've got everyone's like rolling their eyes. But like <laughs> there is very specific reasons why random crap that is not yellow or blue or whatever could be mm -hmm. valuable. Um, yeah. But like, so whatever. Yeah. You set your loop filter up to show you those exact things. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I mean, I guess there are a couple of other thoughts about this. Um, first off, I think part of the reason why I feel less bad about, you know, like getting items in Path of Exile that I'm never going to use myself, but instead trade for other ones, a lot of it is actually currency in-game. Like, there's dozens of different types of currency, and I, you know, can recognize what currencies are valuable. And like, oh boy, an expensive currency dropped. And that currency has a use. Like, I can use it for some sort of item crafting thing. I'm not going to do it because I it's it's way less valuable to me as a modifier for my gear than it is to sell to someone else for something. But, like, I still have this value idea of, like, oh, something crappy dropped or something valuable dropped. Um, and I guess the other thing that the system as it ha exists has going for it, even if it is very clunky, is a social aspect. Because, like, in Path of Exile, you get hideouts, which are basically just, like, you know, it's your home that you get to sort of, you know, decorate and whatnot. And as I mentioned before, the trade etiquette is you go visit someone else's hideout in order to, you know, you know, trade items with them. 
And, um, you know, it's a chance for people to show off all of the stuff that they've collected, which some of my, which they might've gotten from microtransactions. So there's some incentive there, but there's also some random weird social interactions as well. Like, so I've been playing for like a month or so at this point, and I have like a decent amount of wealth accumulated from that. But like recently I was trying to engage with another third party trading community because you need additional, you know, tools in order to trade in-game services um called TFT. And I just sort of like was like, "Okay, hey, I just I have a hideout and you know, you need to re reveal new hideouts." Anyway, suffice it to say, I was providing an in-game service to someone else like over Discord for free because like, okay, it's not worth a lot. Um and then he was like, "Okay, thanks." And then he just gave me five exalted orbs, which are really valuable randomly, which also was the exact, like basically the entirety of the wealth that I'd accumulated over four months for conducting a free service for him. And I'm like, okay, wow, thanks. Now I'm very confused and understand this economy even less than I thought I did. So, <laughs> it's dirty money. Yeah, it's dirty yeah. money. I don't know. People people tip people for doing crazy shit. Five XL yeah. sounds like crazy. I don't know why that guy did that. Yes. Maybe he was maybe he so, was quitting. I don't know what he's doing, but like. And I think he was really like having a hard time getting this one specific hideout. And this was the first thing I was trying to sell in this TFT community. And so like I whispered him specifically because I saw he was recently looking for it. And he had said, I'll pay one exalted for this. I'm like, wow, that's totally worth my time to sit there with the portal open for a little bit waiting for him. And I also like went to the channel where you can advertise these services. And, you know, I started with one exalted and then cut it down to 50 uh, chaos and then cut it down to free. And then like, I finally got takers at free, and then he responded a couple of minutes later. I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's free now. And then he just, you know, gave me five exalted. I'm like, wow, okay, that's weird. But hey, thanks. Great. <laughs> Mr. Rich Daddy Warbucks. Getting yeah, you know, that cheddar cheese. fly, you know? And I mean, that's the sort of thing I was trying to say. It's like, this is a social experience that wouldn't happen if it was just an anonymous, like, you know, auction house, like, click, click, click. Yeah. Well, and also, like, people, like, help each out, like, help each other out a lot on that kinds of stuff stuff like there's discords for people doing this this type of crafting called plant crafting and there's also like like a specific uh global chat channel for like the reddit uh path of exile reddit that people like broadcast mm -hmm. oh there's a thing that i need help on there's like some random element to like finding different pathways to the super secret end game dungeon where you like can like unlock a, a thing that makes your character more powerful the labyrinth is that 820? The, I, I think it's 820. I don't remember the actual number of it. Yeah. I, I saw it on the wiki and joined it. And that's how I got my, uh, you know, labyrinth trials done. Exactly. Like, um, a lot of people are just like, oh, I found this labyrinth trial. Does anybody want it? And there's like limited portals yeah. when you when you go into a zone. So mm -hmm. like, you know, people can come in and get Vroom. it and like get the thing. So I don't know. There's like a weird like community of mm -hmm. people that help each other out for no reason. And usually it's expected that you tip somebody, but you don't have to. <laughs> it's like fucking art gallery. Expected payment? Zero! Suck my dick! <laughs> no, yeah, I tip people, but just a tip. God, yeah. And I could go into more and sort of like TFT, which is a very sort of weird thing. Um, are you familiar with it, Rashi? TFT? Uh, no, but it's a Discord for, for something, right? What was it for? Yeah, it, it's for trading in Path of Exile, but it's also sort of like it has this sort of like, you know, in-game mafiesto sort of like kind of character to it. And like, is this where like people upvote you and like downvote you? Yes. Yeah, I heard about that. My buddy was doing that. He was getting into it. Right. I was giving out the invites to like this, uh, the hideout that I discovered for vouchers. That's basically what I'm like, OK, I, nobody wants to pay money for this. But hey, if you vouch for me, I'll give you a portal. Yeah. 
So well, that's the thing is like yeah. you get vouchers. People vouch for you and they say that you're good. So that that way they know yes. they know because there's a lot of stuff that like is right. really dangerous. Like you have to give them an item, expecting them to like take the item, put it in their crafting bench, and do a thing on it. Yes. They could do a, a whole bunch of shit that would totally ruin it, and yep. you're giving them a lot of faith. <laughs> right. There's a lot and of so that. then there's like systems of collateral, and then I also saw that for some of them that they'll ask you to stream while you're doing yep. it. Like, and the thing is, all of this is because these services, are like, there's not an in-game system for trading. Them. Yeah. It's just it's 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 fascinating, just in terms of like the trade-off between convenience and like insanity. And then the sort of like third-party communities that develop around these things. It keeps getting more and more fucking complicated. Do we have any final thoughts on, uh, you know, auction houses and in-game economies? Diablo 3 initial release sucked. Back to the Exiles are way better. <laughs> I spent this entire episode <laughs> resisting talking about EVE. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't yeah. like to hear about EVE. I want to hear about that shit. Well... Uh, Eve's economy is a whole other, like, that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. It's like in another different level. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll be happy to hear that Diablo Immortal is coming back with a uh, real money auction house <laughs> in a limited As capacity. if that couldn't be any more disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently not for items, just for, like, you know, currency and special things like gems and whatnot. I... That's even worse. Whatever. So just microtransactions, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I mean, it's a mobile game, so, like, that's where they yeah. have to make their money. <laughs> yeah. All right. Why don't we take a break? Let's do it. Welcome back. Do you guys want to do... Hey, check this out. things out you want to go first i can go first cool <laughs> go first uh, i was reminded by a uh, by the conversation earlier when like uh people get uh you know if, if you get if you're famous on a game and you get a lot of followers sometimes they can interfere with your economy um it happened in the series it's called peacecraft it's actually griffin mcelroy who some of you may know of when he was working for Polygon, he did a whole series in World of Warcraft where he made a character who was trying to, he was trying to get from like one end of a continent to the other end as a brand new character. And you, and he was, he was a pacifist. You could never attack or kill any, uh, any like NPCs or anything. And the whole series is just him running basically. But, uh, it's great. It's really funny. Uh, it's Griffin McElroy. He's always funny. And, uh, as he gains popular, as the series gains popularity, it starts affecting his, his, his travels in the game, uh, with all the other players it's it's a good time. I would check it out. Peacecraft. Nice. I've heard about that. I've always wanted to watch it. Keep forgetting about it, though. Well, you've been reminded. I can go next. Uh, mine is actually a throwback to our um, our food uh, podcast episode. Um, I couldn't remember the title of this uh, Netflix show, but it's um, it's Chef's Table um, Pastry. It's like colon pastry. 
And it's the episode for Christina Tosi. I don't want to eat no colon pastry. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she is the creator and owner of Milk Bar in New York City. And she makes cakes and cookies and all this stuff. And like it got really popular a few years back. But you can now order their stuff online and have it delivered. And I got one of her cakes for Lindsay's birthday. It's a bit expensive, but it is they're incredibly delicious. <laughs> you order a cake from the internet and it arrives and tastes good? Yes. What? How? Yeah, it was really good. How does it like Did it come like refrigerated? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's packed in like with like cold packs and stuff like that. Cool. I I also ordered like my parents um uh like a condolence box of uh cookies and stuff because I was going to send them like flowers but they had gotten so many flowers from everyone else so I was like I'm going to get them something that they'll enjoy of like some delicious cookies and stuff and I guess it was really delicious mm. hell yeah wow I'm going to order a cake for my fucking self the the episode <laughs> is really great too like I don't know if you've seen any of the chef's table stuff but they're shot really well and uh, I thought her episode was pretty interesting yeah, I like that show a lot, just in general. Ooh. $120 for a 10-inch strawberry shortcake cake. Feeds 20 to 30 people or one very hungry person. Yes. 20 to 30 people. Wow. That's what it says. I am 20 to 30 people. <laughs> Maybe. I'm between 1 and 30. <laughs> Does that count? Between? <laughs> you never know. Inclusive. All right. I can go next because I don't have any ideas aside from a really short YouTube video I randomly saw with some friends earlier today. Uh, do a YouTube search for dog tie fighter, and you'll he's hear a dog that sounds a whole lot like a dog uh, tie fighter, and has a tie fighter video superimposed on top of it. You won't regret it. Perfect for ten seconds of your life. That's it. Great, great job. I like a low commitment. Check this out. Yeah. <laughs> All of us are like an entire series of television. You need to watch at watch least eight <laughs> seasons of Breaking Bad, please. Get back yeah. to me and eat a cake for thirty people. Mm -hmm. I will do that. Maybe not a thirty-person cake. I'll eat like a ten-person cake <laughs> over several days. The six-inch one is merely eight to twelve people, so maybe that's more your size. Mm. Eight to twelve. I could do that. I could manage that. I'm gonna go next. I'm gonna recommend another Andy Weir book. I just, uh, I'm almost done with it. It's called Artemis. I didn't know Andy Weir wrote so many books. He's got a bunch. I like it well, a lot. He's only got three, right? I don't know. Maybe it is only three. But that's more than I expected. I just <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one, the main character is a really snarky woman working as a mail porter on a moon base. And she also smuggles contraband. Uh, capers ensue. She is very sarcastic. As all of the Andy Weir protagonists are uh and it is a very exciting uh fun sci-fi adventure uh it's very cool and it's uh voiced by rosario Dar dawson right uh, i believe so i'll have to yeah. double check uh the audible version yeah i downloaded it on audible but i haven't started listening yet yeah i like who is she rosario dawson um yeah. she was in uh the mandalorian wait was she yeah she was in the mandalorian season two I don't remember that. She was the one who she played Mimi on the movie version of Rent, right? 
Am I thinking of the same person? <laughs> I don't fucking know about that. <laughs> You're all Googling. Oh, yeah, no, that was totally her. Yeah, I'm Googling it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, her face looks really yeah. familiar. She's definitely been in a whole bunch yeah. of stuff. Any, anyways. Right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. Right. <laughs> Never mind. Go. go. <laughs> Did uh, you have any more interesting facts about Rosario Dawson? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to unsubscribe from Rosario Dawson facts, please. <laughs> All right. Something completely different. Uh, I was debating on whether I should actually recommend this. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie called The Belladonna of Sadness. It's actually a Japanese animated movie from the 70s, but it's actually not anime style. It's a very interesting kind of more painterly kind of art style, which is interesting. Um, it's about, it's an adaptation of a French novel. I think it's about a woman who kind of through various terrible circumstances becomes a witch. Um, <laughs> well, mega, mega content warning for sexual violence and also photosensitivity warning. Just put all the warnings on it, but it's, holy wow. shit! it's really, it's like really interesting and really good. And just like visually, it's a really crazy experience and it's very seventies also. <laughs> Sign uh, me up. <laughs> yeah. Fuck me up, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's an interesting watch. Uh, Belladonna of Sadness. Cool. Okay, well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Abe Mindler. Where can people find you guys? I'm also on Twitter. You can find me at The Brendo. I'm on Twitter at Heckbrayer. And I'm on Twitter at Radhesion, also soundcloud.com slash Radhesion and Radhesion.bandcamp.com. And you can get in contact with all of us at redmars.com. Uh, at Team Radmars on Twitter, radmars.itch.io. Yeah. And uh, this episode was edited by Andrew Ford, and music in this episode was also by Andrew Ford. Mm. The end. Great job. You did it. Mm. All right. We did it. Another episode in the bag or can. Hard drive. I like can because it feels more like a toilet. <laughs> burned onto a cd <laughs> that is true we just dumped this into a toilet yeah, in the toilet in the can in the can flush it down into the internet half in the bag the toilet bag yep all right well thank you guys for being here and thank you all for listening oh, i thought we were done <laughs> we've done this so many times and we don't know how the thing ends huh no all right. i usually wait for andrew to say andy to say the thing he said the thing it's over now oh not yeah we have yep. to say bye say goodbye say now goodbye. we say bye <laughs>